welcome listeners to the fifth episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me today, as always, are co-hosts and powerful wizards, Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Most important, welcome to all of you listeners. Hello. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing? Doing very fine. How are you? Nah, doing okay. It's, uh, you know, approaching, uh, approaching vacation here in Stockholm. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm calling in from the tropical islands and the bayous of the world. Uh, I've been uh, free for the last two weeks now, so I'm uh, I'm starting to get into vacation mode. We're happy for you. As you know, uh, Stockholm Legacy Report can be found on the Top Deck tab. In today's episode, we will, as usual, discuss the magic we have played during the past week. After that, we will introduce a new segment on one of the most important topics of paper legacy, basic lands. And lastly, we shall again knock on the door of the apothecary of Archmage Christopher for our summer brew segment. Without further ado, straight to upkeep. Robin, how was your magic week? I had a great magic week. Uh, if you remember from last episode, I was going to play a tournament on Monday. Uh, well, that didn't happen because uh, it was a football game instead, which was basically a, a game of magic as well. <laughs> it was uh, it was like uh, the the new one drop Delver, but who forgot all of the counter magic at home, facing off against accumulated miracle, who forgot to pack the entreat. So it was a lot of attacks and a lot of removal, but we neither could finish the goal line in the end. So uh, I did play some Bant Miracle on Wednesday though. And uh, it was a really grind fest because uh, the present players were playing Griggs Control, Bant Food Chain and Bug Midrange. Uh, and I came to the to the playing field with the Bant Miracle. And uh, I faced off against Grixis and uh, that deck is very good against white decks, in my opinion, but also pretty bad against green decks. And uh, the green side of uh, Bant Miracle build me out. Uro, Sylvan Library, and Veil of Summer out on the board. And uh, because of Veil of Summer, uh, he had to board out all this discard. And together uh, with his lack of clock, uh, he had real trouble ha uh, dealing with Teferi. Yeah. I think I won both games by just playing Teferi and taking it up and uh, he kept attacking it with the Strixes <laughs> and uh, as soon as he committed a Snappy or something else to attack I could just block with Endurance and remove it. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching some, some games uh, on stream with Teferi uh, this past week and this card just seems absurdly great uh, right now. Yeah, I think it has a place in any deck that can support it with its colors because it, it, it really takes away the pressure of counter magic and uh, and uh, flash threats such as Hull Breacher or Endurance. It, it's, it's really strong to have in play. Uh, and then I play, uh, let's say, one and a half games against Christopher uh, on bug control. Uh, I think he might be talking about that a little bit later, but I will speak of it from my side. And... Uh, uh, I lost the first game from a very powerful position when I could en 
I could play my main deck Carpet of Flowers very early and uh, deploy a Jace, the Mind Sculptor, ahead of the curve. But uh, he could Green Sun for Leovold, and I, I, I kill the first one, but then he Green Sun for a second, and I had no answer to that. And then the carpet kept giving him cards, and when I eventually found removal for, for the second Leovold, he, were, he was already so ahead on cards and could just keep protecting it. So I had to scoop from there, and uh, game two was a real or slugfest, <laughs> uh, and uh, I came close to finish it, but I think I maybe I blew it because he was down to three, and I had uh, an Uro on attacks and a Hull Breacher to deny his draw engine, uh, and it has made me a little bit of treasures, which I used to play uh, a back to basics to sort of uh, take away his options for his final turn. Uh, but he could. Claw back from there, uh, Abrupty King, the Hullbreacher, to get his draw engine going. And uh, from there on, it was just a slugfest. That was that was a really fun uh, experience because uh, I, I brought in carpets of flowers. So when you back to basics me and I just deployed first the first carpet and then the second, the carpet did more damage. No, the back to basics did more damage to you, <laughs> uh, which was kind of funny. I also misjudged the amount of basics you had on board, I think, because I, I knew that you had one carpet and I thought that, uh, well, if I, if I basic him out now, he can, he can only deploy, deploy like one colored threats and that's fine. I don't want any more Leovolts and that kind of stuff. Uh, but then you had the, the, the two basics to complement the, the carpet so you could decay. And I, I also think I maybe I boarded wrongly. It, this was a little bit of a, uh, a rogue deck advantage, I think, uh, because I took out the prismatic endings, which would have been great against carpet, silver library, and just being more removal against Leovold. And the Leovold, I, I boarded in a more terminus, uh, which, I mean, in one sense, it's good against Leovold because it doesn't target him, but on the other hand, it's really hard to put your <laughs> terminus back on your on the top of your deck without being able to brainstorm with the Leovold in play. So I think that may be a mistake in the, in the boarding process. So <clears throat> speaking of Terminus, so this deck has become quite creature heavy. Uh, and I think that's sort of the nature of the game, that the creatures have become better and better. So even the control decks need to play more creatures. And when playing more creatures, the, the sweepers became a little bit worse. And I don't really like the Terminus all that much in this deck because you usually have uh, sort of a, a creature of your own in play, uh, making it not as one-sided as you might want. Uh, and in the old Snowco decks, you could sort of deal with this by playing either the, the Snow Sweeper, which doesn't kill your, uh, your Ice Fang Squattles, or you could play just a Plague Engineer, which is a great one-sided sweeper. So I'm missing that kind of card for Bant Miracle. Uh, and I, I felt very much in that game when you, when you face a lot of Strixes or Ice Fang Squattles, because when you're on the plan to win with Uru, it, you don't really want to, to run that into Death Touch blockers, even if it's a recursive threat. Um, and uh, when you're in Bant Colors, you don't have red for uh, Blazing Volley or... I mean, I've even played... The red Honda back in the days when 
Miracle was flashing red and I checked time loss analysis just to kill like one drops each turn. Uh, so uh, I'm looking sort of for uh, another card maybe that could fill that role in Bant Miracles. And I know that engineered explosives have been sort of seeing a resurgence online due to the numerous one drops in the current Denver decks. So maybe that's sort of the go-to sweeper. Yeah. Not really a sweeper, the seventh sweeper. I, I guess uh, another idea is to uh, play other kind of win cons in the sideboard for these kind of matches where you need a one-sided sweeper. Uh, maybe something that goes wide. Uh, Mentor comes to mind, but Joel Real is uh, maybe a candidate as well. And you could also have a trusty old entreat in the board, I guess, to board in. Yeah, I like the entreat. I like I like the the idea of um, uh, I mean I I'm I'm I mean you know me I've always been a, a player who likes to put creatures on the board and win with them uh, I mean I'm not a controlled player in Legacy at least uh, at all but I, I I do miss the times when <laughs> when control decks won by deploying the one threat or casting the one spell and then and then going with it this sort of ice fang quattle control game it doesn't really sit with me i would love for entreat to angels to be an actual win con uh, i don't know if that's sort of the best route to go uh, but uh, i wish it to be uh, the best route to go yeah during during top era i think uh, it, it was just so strong uh, i've i've seen board states where I was just thinking, I, I'm not really sure how the Miracles deck is going to come back from this. Uh, they'll, they'll need to rip a Terminus or something from the top, and then they just rip an Entreat to make six Angels. And you're like, oh yeah, and that's also a thing. <laughs> they, they, they could also top deck that. Yeah, I mean, when you're facing a lot of uh, just small roadblocks, which uh, I guess uh, Strixes and Ice Fangs is, that's the kind of threat that you want that that uh, goes wide and that uh, you don't really care if it trades with the, with the roadblocks, but you, you have something behind that can start beating. When Snoko was the best deck before Oko was uh, banned, there, there was a lot of Snoko mirrors <laughs> in, in paper play. And then I did play the five mana Garrett uh, that also makes three three uh, with a plus. <gasps> Oh my god, it's yeah. my best <laughs> so, Garruk. Oh, you've played that? That's so great. I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah, because it, 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 it was a 5-drop, and so it couldn't be decayed, which was the prime removal of Snowco. I mean, no one was actually playing Assassin's Trophy at that time, uh, except for me, because I needed to beat your, your Planeswalkers, <laughs> Victor. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean... Here's Ugin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but since it made a 3-3 each turn, it could raise uh, Oko quite profitably. So uh, it, it was really cool. And the minus, you draw cards equal to the highest power of creatures you control. So if you have a Uro in play, you draw six cards, which is, I mean, you win from there usually. Lights out in a mirror. Yeah. So, so that's an... Uh, uh, possibility, of course, to go back to that five mana Garrett. I, I am a strong endorser of you going back to that. Uh, I will, uh, I will buy you a drink uh, next time we play if you go back to that. <laughs> yeah, I think it will be really good if everyone is playing like prismatic ending as the way to deal with non-creature threats. 
because it's really hard to make all of the five manas, I guess, to kill it. Another idea is to, to hard cast a Shark Typhoon versus non-red decks against red decks. The Pyroblast is a little bit too, too big of a risk, I think. But against bug decks, for instance, Shark Typhoon could be really good. Unless they play Endurance. Uh, yeah, but I mean, if you hard cast it, you can just make uh, a pile of 1-1s one or 2-2s two or... Oh, right, yeah, you go wide, that's true. Yeah, you go just wide by cantripping and playing forces. So I think that's a, a pretty cool strategy. And then there's always the 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 possibility to to fit the natural order and the progenitors in your sideboard <laughs> to board in. To oh, just, my God. Like, <laughs> now we're running deep. <laughs> Make quick work of the control mirrors. <laughs> you can always you can always sacrifice your your Garrick beast tokens. Yeah, I think another card that might be pretty good in a control mirror if you're in the Bant Miracles uh, mirror. Um, for the same amount of mana as Garrick, you can play the new Storm Ooze, uh, which uh, I think could could present some very fun scenarios because it uh, it's it also goes very vi- wide for a very small mana investment in control mirrors. That's actually really cool to to play a storm card in a non-storm deck. I like that very much. Yeah, it's uh, it's. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen it uh, being played properly. I think besides uh, Brian Cook in one of his storm videos, uh, I or or I might be imagining things, but it's a uh, it's a very cool card to try out in a non-storm deck. Just like yeah, storm is two in the mirror. Here's uh, here's the ooze. <laughs> like can you deal with it? Yeah, I mean, if you play a deck that already plays like three Carpet of Flowers post-board, you you will have enough mana to play like Brainstorm, Ponder, uh, Swords, Your Guy, and then play this Ooze and <laughs> get a lot of power on board. So yeah, I think that's quite a possibility. Do you play Caracas? Of course. Yeah, so that's also good because you can bounce yeah. this. It's a legendary Ooze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's- it's beautiful. Oh, it's gonna go so beautiful. wide. Completely unpronounceable name as well. Ave Progenitor Ooze. I dodged the name. I just yeah, the uh, Storm Ooze. <laughs> Waiting for one of you to to pronounce it. <laughs> I I always dodge those. I have actually been uh, testing a little bit more on uh, on the other day. I've been brewing a land deck with Ursus Saga, but I think I will save that actually for another episode. Uh, for the brewing session and talk a little bit about Ursa Saga Lands instead. Thank you so much, Robin. Uh, that was a nice play report. Uh, Christopher, what yeah. went down on your side? So, uh, last week I said something in the in the lines of, I'm going to try this bug witch with the, with the new cards. But then I completely didn't. <laughs> so, I wanted to put together a bug list that featured uh, some some new cards. Some might be newer than others. But uh, I wanted to build a deck that uh, would battle really well against uh, against uh, other control decks and uh, 
maybe even have a pretty good game against uh, Delver. I'm not really sure how good it is against Delver though, but the, the deck that I brewed up was a kind of a mini jab towards you to uh, Star Wars lovers uh, and your Jedi Knights deck. This is the Soul Tie Fighter, uh, which uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, so that uh, pun literally took ages to make. Um, but uh, it, it is a very high quality pun. <laughs> I'm gonna give you this is pun of, pun of the week. Nice. So the deck is I wanted to draw a lot of cards and I wanted to try. Uh, Grist, the new uh, planeswalker, in a in a good shell. Um, so what what cards go well with Grist? I was thinking Miren probably goes really good with it. Toski, um, but I'm gonna go through the list real quick. So it's four Baleful Strix and four Ice Fang Quattles. I mean, eight Strixes, draw some cards, just have annoying creatures to block with. One Yolreal, and this is a card that Robin mentioned, and it's, I think it's a human uh, for a one and a green that uh, whenever you draw a second card each turn, you may put a 2-2 two, two cat creature uh, onto the battlefield, and then it has a six mana pump. Uh, I think it's four and a two green. Um, to pump your whole team, uh, give it the base power and toughness equal to the amount of cards in your hand. And I was gonna draw, I, I wanted to draw a lot of cards, so I figured this card would be pretty good. Uh, two Endurance, two Leovold, uh, one uh, Plague Engineer, one Uro, one Meren uh, of Clan Neltot, which is uh, a Nickfit staple, <laughs> uh, the Nickfit All Star that we all. We all probably have played against sometimes. It's really good at uh, fishing up dead creatures and uh, eventually in the late game just put them back into play. One Toski, Bearer of Secrets. And this is a pretty pretty new card. It hasn't seen a lot of legacy play. Um, in some sideboards uh, of uh, Food Chain or Alern decks, but it's, uh, it's free and a green for a 1-1 that can't be countered. It's a Squirrel, of course. Uh, uh, it has indestructible and attacks each turn if able, um, each combat if able. And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a, play, uh, to a player, you may draw a card. So this is a really good anti-control uh, card, because you put a lot of small creatures or annoying creatures into play, and then just draw a bunch of cards. Uh, it's, it was pretty good uh, last Wednesday. Uh, for Brainstorm, Two Green Sun Zenith, uh, four Ponder, three Abrupt Decay, two Sylvan Library, two Force of Negation, two Grist, the Hunger Tide, and four Force of Will. Then I paired it with uh, 20 lands. Uh, Bayou, I think nine, nine fetches, uh, five basics, uh, two Trop, two Underground Sea, and one Volrath Stronghold, because we're, we're really going to grind some people out. Um, the sideboard is pretty much bug. I'm, I'm pretty, sometimes when it comes to, uh, to sideboard uh, mapping, I'm a bit um, stale. So it's, it's uh, close your eyes and think, what is a bug sideboard? And that's it. Uh, but yeah, overall, this deck was very slow to play. I, I lost my first match of the evening against bug, uh, no, Bant Food Chain, I think it was. 
we had some really close games and in the third game I decided to go for the greediest line the turn before lethal uh, because I was playing such a greedy deck and I just wanted to draw cards and have a good time so rather than uh, keeping force of negation mana up and uh, green sunning for a uh, collector roof, I decided to get ballistad for a thousand instead. I mean, that's one decision you can make. <laughs> I think the blue mages of the world. Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of people might have seen the the uh, what's the name of the game, the Uno, uh, where it's like, do you want to kill your opponent or draw cards? And then it's a person sitting with like fifty Uno cards in their hand. That that was me. I was like, yeah, I'll die happy. Um, and then I, I wrote down 1-1 one, one versus Robin on Bant Miracles. I think it's fair to say that he probably would have won that game where he had to where he had to leave. Um, it was very it, it was a very grindy uh, set of games. And uh, like I said, this deck is extremely annoying to play against if you're a control deck. But Bant Miracles really can control both the graveyard and the battlefield thanks to endurance. So I did not have the smooth sailing that I thought. And uh, having a, a creature deck that's uh, uh, graveyard-based might not be the best idea when I, I... I didn't really think about it too much when I built this deck. And finally, we have a, a 1-0 uh, versus Grixis Control. And this deck was even grindier than the other ones. Uh, I multi 6 and got one of my best cards in the matchup, Hymned. Uh, turn two, which was Volrath's stronghold. Uh, but after stabilizing with Uro, uh, I think around <laughs> turn 10, uh, I managed to put enormous pressure on the board, as well as just killing potential Planeswalker on the other side with Grist. Uh, I think Grist has just been such a good card in both this deck and another deck I'm going to talk about later. we're going to move on to our next key discussion. So, there is general consensus that the best magic card of all time ever is Basic Island. But which island? Players of Paper Legacy usually give a lot of attention to what basic lands they play, and the three of us, we are known better, we give a lot of attention to the basic lands that we play. Uh, and therefore, we have a new segment in the podcast as of today, the Basic Land Connoisseur Panel. In this segment, we will discuss which basic lands are optimal choices for popular legacy decks when playing them in paper. For this first convening of this panel, we will discuss two decks with the same lands, Sneak and Show and Blue Red Delver. Christopher, why don't you start us off with your choices for Sneak and Show? All right. So I think uh, when you're looking at uh, what, what uh, basic lands to pair with your deck, I think it's important to look at what the deck is doing and not like, uh, or, or more like an overall aesthetic to the deck. Um, this might include that the basics look like they could fit in uh, in some of the art of the cards. Uh, but for me, uh, in, in this particular 
uh, deck in the sneaker show, I decided to go a bit uh, off route than I usually do. So the island that I picked for sneak and show is from Odyssey. It's version uh, 338, if you want to look it up. It's the one with the, the reflect uh, the mountains reflecting in the in the water. I think this is a really uh, it, it's it's kind of like a calm. Uh, it, it instills calm calmness, and I think you you want to lure the the opponent in by playing very mild, very a very blue like give them time to reflect and then just jam a show and tell and kill them. So this is this is the false security island and I really think that it it really fits into this style of deck. And my mountain of choice is from Invasion and it's version 343. Um, this mountain might not look like much, but it uh, it has a lot of blue in it. Uh, it's a very it's a very uh, purple picture. And when I see this mountain, I feel like not only uh, a Grizzlebrand or <laughs> Emrakul could be hiding in there, but it feels like a more blue mountain than a mountain. And I think Sneak and Show primarily is such a blue deck with accidental red because of sneak attack that I think that the mountain should kind of reflect that. So those were my two picks for the sneak and show. All right, Robin, what do you think of uh, Christopher's choices? I mean, first off, I think you picked two really beautiful basic lands. I mean, the, both of these lands are really beautiful to look at. So a very nice pick. And I, I like your reasoning. I have a a similar <laughs> idea which we will come to but i like your reasoning and i like your your card choices absolutely yeah no so do i uh, these are two beautiful pictures but especially the island is just uh, i mean it's rob alexander who has illustrated this island and rob alexander is just such a great artist uh, of magic in general um and i do i do i really love the the idea of having a mountain illustration that has a lot of purple in it because of the blue deck um that's uh, very well executed. Uh, kudos. Thank you. So, uh, Robin, uh, which lands did you choose? All right. <clears throat> okay, so I I have, um, when it comes to basic lands, uh, if I play a deck with the fetches, I only play revised <laughs> basic lands uh, because I like my lands to be white-bordered so I can find them easily. And uh, I started playing during the revised era, so to me it's a lot of nostalgia to, to play your old cardboard for more than 25 years ago. But uh, uh, when I took on this challenge to find uh, fitting lands for Sneak and Show, uh, I had a similar idea to the one that Christopher had. When it comes to sort of trying to represent the, the deck that uh, with the lands, so the, sort of like the the deck could take place in those lands. So I've uh, chosen the basic mountain from Onslaught. And this is uh, the orange looking land uh, by Healy Hudson, uh, is the illustrator. So this uh, is an orange looking mountain with a yellow background. 
which uh, is looking a little bit like uh, the old school sneak attack uh, mountain where the dragon is sleeping and the, and the orcs or goblins are attacking him. Uh, so it, it looks like this could be the mountain where the, this dragon is sleeping, in my opinion. Uh, with this sandy looking uh, mountain. So the basic island for, for sneak and show, I have chosen uh, an, a very um, dramatic island from Sendikar. Which is a sort of a vortex in the sea. And there's some sort of cliffs hanging in the sky. And it looks like the place where Emrakul will appear after casting your omniscience. And it has quite some similar aesthetics to, to the, the OG Emrakul picture, in my opinion. And it looks like the place where, where a god could appear. I really do like these choices for Sneak and Show, especially the island with the, the idea of this is where Emrakul rests or could rest. Uh, and also the the sneaky the sneaky mountain. Uh, I like it being a sneaky mountain. That that's uh, no, that's really cool. What do you think, Christopher? Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, the mountain is a, ver a very nice picture because uh, it it kind of looks like uh, <laughs> the goblins that are gonna ambush the dragon uh, in the uh, original sneak attack. Uh, art it looks like it's just on the other side of that mountain and i just think it's uh, it's hilarious and the the vortex yeah it's it's uh, very dramatic and i think it's uh, some of some of my most dramatic moments in magic uh, has been when someone has put a show and tell on the stack uh, with me not having a counter spell and if anyone is uh, curious uh, to see where, where, uh, what exact arts we're talking about, the island here was version uh, 381, and the mountain is version 346. So let's talk about you, Victor. What's, uh, what's your general vibe for show, uh, Sneak and Show? Yeah, for Sneak and Show, my philosophy on Basic Lands is that if a deck in Legacy feels like an old deck, uh, sort of a, a format, not staple only, but a format, a format ancestor, if if you want. I think Sneak and Show is a deck that has been around. It felt like an an old deck when I started playing Legacy, uh, some six seven years ago. Uh, it, it felt sort of like an old thing already, and for any old deck like that, I just always go for for beta basic uh, basic lands. Uh, as a principle of of it being sort of vintagey, uh, not vintage in the in the format sense, but vintage as in sort of the the literal sense of something being vintage. Um, and I've chosen uh, what I think is the best item in the game, uh, version one, <laughs> which is the slightly the purple island and a yellowy purple sunset uh, by Mark Poole. Uh, I love this island so much. Uh, I used to play a Merfolk deck with 13 of these, and that was just gloriously beautiful. Um, and for the mountain, I have chosen version 2, which is the Blue Mountain, uh, I guess, uh, by Douglas Schuler uh, from Beta, uh, just because I think that's the most, uh, the best, the best illustration uh, of the Beta mountains. So I've basically, I've taken, I've taken my two favorite beta basic uh, islands and mountains and I, I did jam this in the deck when I did play Stink and Show for a while uh, and I was very happy about that. Yeah I think uh, 
these are, I mean, these are classics. They are very beautiful uh, lands. Uh, you can't argue with it. I I love the Mark Pole uh, Island. I used to play it also in <laughs> in Merfolk actually, and so I'm a big fan of it. All right, let's move on to Blue Red Delver. Uh, let's start off with uh, with you, Robin, because you've actually played Blue Red. Uh, green. I mean, you, you've played Ragdelver for a while when you at least sling these cards. Uh, what did you choose uh, for Delver? Absolutely. When you play Ragdelver, you only play your duel, so you don't have to think about the basics. <laughs> but in in Blue Red Delver, I, I would also play just the the, the revised. But when I I picked uh, the perfect lands for Blue Red Delver here, I had a, a similar idea as in the in the sneak and show section that I wanted to find sort of the homes for for some of the most iconic cards uh, in this deck. And to me, Delver is all about days and wastelands, but those cards are, I, I couldn't really find anything to pair with them. Uh, so I chose the namesake card instead, uh, Delver, to try to work with. So uh, the Delver of Secrets is sort of a scientist that is uh, getting trapped by his own experiment becomes an, in, an insectile aberration that will attack your opponent. So it's some sort of scientist uh, and I found uh, a fitting home for him in the Ravnica Allegiance Guild Kit uh, where there's a, a beautiful city uh, painted by Alanya Danner uh, which looks like a place where this scientist could live um, and uh, the red land the mountain uh, I think of red as the color in Delver which is mostly there for for the reach and the removal as in the, the lightning bolt and when you play the lightning bolt it's of course the original art and uh, I found a land that I thought felt a lot like the place where this lightning bolt is is, is actually taking place, uh, which is from the 10th set. Uh, it's a mountain, a reddish uh, sort of uh, orange looking mountain. It's painted by Glen Angus. It, it has a lot of different uh, uh, peaks. It, it looks, it assembles of the picture of the lightning bolt uh, from the original uh, Alpha Beta. I, I love the RPG route that you take here. Uh, I remember when I first started playing Magic, um, you know, way back when. I also read the Magic comics, uh, which were horrendously bad. Uh, but it did feature sort of uh, some wizard walking with uh, what was the the comic version of Scaved Zombies, which is a two and a black for a two-two zombie vanilla creature. Uh, and all oh, right, so he walks through these cities with his scathed zombies behind him. That's nice. And in, in this in this sense, you sort of you go to the mountain where you actually cast Christopher Rush's lightning bolts. Uh, I I'm a huge fan. I also like the uh, the little uh, story time behind the the island and the scientist gone too far. Uh, it, it gave me some uh, in my head when you were reading it. I heard uh, Jeff Goldblum from Jurassic Park. You know, like uh, yeah, but you know, um, nature uh, fi finds a way. Or <laughs> whatever he says. I had I had that, but like yeah, scientist is gonna science, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that hopefully when you're playing against this human, it's not gonna blind flip turn one every time. Hopefully the science will take some time. 
I mean, th th this is going a little bit against the convention to play like snow basics in every deck to sort of mask which deck you are playing. This is sort of more like you see the city, you see who lives there, you know what's gonna come. <laughs> I I like it though. Like, why would you want to go in a paper legacy tournament and mask what you're playing? So, Christopher, uh, which are your lands for Bruder Delver? I went really hard on Douglas Schuler for this. So the island. Uh, that I picked is actually from uh, Mirage. Uh, it's version 336, and it's uh, there are some uh, uh, violent waves uh, in front of a very sharp mountain, and the mountain that I picked is from Arabian Nights. Uh, for a lot of people, this land doesn't need any introductions. I think it's version 78 but it's the only mountain in arabian nights and it's a classic it's very beautiful and uh, i think douglas schuler overall makes fantastic lands um, like we mentioned earlier <clears throat> he made the the uh, mountain from beta that uh, that victor talked about and these were my picks for blue red delver they, they are just really robust i think and I think the Delver is a very sharp deck, um, like the waves and the uh, the mountain on the island. And it it goes hard. It doesn't play around. It's solid and uh, has been one of the better decks in the format for a long time. Uh, it's the glorified burn, but with a lot more play to it. And I think these decks are preparing your opponent for a hard time. I really like how this uh, how these lands are sort of mirroring each other. They they, they look a little, a little bit like the that it's the same mountain that you're seeing but from different sides or something like that. Yeah, they are really nice together. Yeah, I was thinking the same. Uh, I mean, you can see it's the same artist uh, from different years uh, and they really play really well against each other. also love how how in the island the sky is blue but in the mountain the sky sort of has the same color as the mountain itself it's kind of orangey um it has some blue in it as well but it's it's it almost implies like there's a forest fire going on in the background or uh, something is happening here because the sky is not your normal sort of blue sky uh, and there's also a very dark silhouette of the fir trees in the front also i guess to me uh, suggesting either either a heavy sunset uh, out of the picture or uh, a fire going on, uh, but the comp composition is beautiful. So, Victor, tell us about your pick for Blue Red Delver. So, my choices for Blue Red Delver are uh, these are Shiki. Uh, I have chosen as the island. It's from Strixhaven, and the mountain is also from Strixhaven. Island painted by uh, Lukas Stancic and uh, and the mountain is painted by Jonas de Rowe. These two lands uh, are of course from the latest standard legal set, and I've chosen these because Blue Red Delver currently holds the position as the number one deck in Legacy. Sort of, if we were to see sort of competitive play currently on on Twitch, sort of Star City Games would have a Legacy tournament. Blue Red Delver would be everywhere. And the players who try to spike these tournaments, they always have had 
uh, sort of the opposite of what we want to. Uh, most of them, at least, uh, not uh, people like Ray V. Duke, but a lot of players will sort of instead of going for the most beautiful land, they will just like, nah, I don't really care about the land art. I'm just gonna put any lands because also I'm not gonna bring sleeves or play mat. I'm gonna buy some sleeves when I get there to sort of try to play it cool. Um, so uh, and and that's why they always ask like this indie move go for the just sort of any basics that i can find on sites from draft shaft uh, which would then be these two strixhaven lands because they would be lying around somewhere um i of course think this is the completely wrong way to to choose your basic lands uh but since blue delver is such a powerhouse and such a spiky deck at the moment they are going to play these lands i i really like your reasoning here it, those these lands really scream that you that you also choose your your days from eternal masters and uh, like m20 lightning bolt something like that yeah and i think uh, uh, if i'm gonna be mega cheeky um sure these are some some new basics i'm not gonna hate but it, they're at least older than 11 of the 15 frets of uh, blue red delver so i think uh, I think it's fair game. I mean, what happened? <laughs> like, I I woke up one morning and 11 of the 15 frets of uh, Blue Red Delver were newborn. <laughs> Time goes fast, guys. This is just you getting old, Christopher. Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, me and Robin, we've been sort of past the uh, sort of early middle age mark for some time now. You're approaching it, and this is this is just how it feels. Everything just seems to go really quick in society these days. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Um, uh, welcome uh, to the other side. were indeed interesting choices from the first basic land connoisseur panel we will be back next week with more basic lands for your legacy decks uh, now christopher it's time we paid a visit to the apothecary what are we sampling today from your bruise so today i'm gonna disappoint everyone a little bit um, i'm gonna feature a deck that i've actually seen this week um, some short things about me. Besides playing the brew that I mentioned earlier with the bug deck, uh, I, also, I also jammed a, a couple of games with Bugaluren. Uh, I've played a lot of Bugaluren in my days, and it's been my deck of choice in a, a variety of different metagames. Uh, I played it religiously during Top Miracles, uh, especially towards the end, because I found it had a really good matchup. And uh, I have, uh, even before and after, uh, the top ban just been tuning the deck with an obsession. Um, one of my last uh, big paper tournaments with a deck was in GP Bologna, uh, where I played the, the deck and I thought it was just great in that meta game. Uh, a lot thanks to to uh, Oko, and I actually managed to squeeze uh, 93rd place and even cash, which was really great for my salami budget. So why am I talking about this now? The reason why the meta was very good uh, for uh, Aluren was due to Oko, which really needs no introduction. Uh, however, 
how is this all uh, how is this all relevant to my summer brewing uh, i always keep myself posted and updated when it comes to alert tech and i always try new tech when new cards come around and modern horizons really brought some new players to the field my initial thoughts were mainly focused uh, on endurances a lot of green players had their eyes on um, the deck has been pretty soft to graveyard based strategies in the past and i just saw um, a lot of potential for a big flash creature that's just very good at disrupting uh, Delver or uh, Reanimator. But then I saw one of the greatest uh, Aluren players and minds out there, Otaba, um, that had put out an extremely sweet list together that not only featured uh, Endurances, but also Grist the Hunger Tide. And the deck looks like this. So four Birds of Paradise, three Cavern Harpy, uh, 4 Ice Fanquatel, 2 Endurance, 1 Ukima, Stalking Shadow, 3 Uro. 4 Brainstorm, 4 Ponder, 3 Abrupt Decay, 1 Sylvan Library, 3 Grist, 3 Aluren, 4 Force of Will. 1 Bayou, 4 Misty Rainforest, 3 Polluted Delta, 3 Vista, um, 6 Basics, uh, and then 1 of each, uh, uh, 1 Trop, 1 Underground Sea, and 1 Verdant Catacombs. The sideboard was two Endurance, one Flusterstorm, one Hull Breacher. Uh, I chose to play two Hull Breachers rather than adding the Flusterstorm. Three, uh, three Plague Engineer, two Carpet of Flowers, two Veil of Summer, two Force of Negation, one, <laughs> one Fourth Grist, and uh, a Force of Vigor. So when I tried this deck out, I realized that uh, this deck kind of plays differently from what I'm used to with a learn. It had a lot less raw card advantage than the deck usually has, and the deck plays a lot of mana sources. We're looking at 21 lands with 4 Birds of Paradise. It felt really unstoppable in the late game, as it presented some sort of inevitability. What this deck can do, even uh, if you've lost your combo wincon due to either it getting exiled, you had to pitch it to force, or... Uh, you don't have the ability to finish your opponent off. Uh, like, your opponent is looping a Glacial Chasm or Solitaire Confinement, and you have Ukima, so you can't really target them, or they can't take damage. Um, you can find some really interesting lines with this deck. And uh, I played against Robin. I'm not going to talk too much about his uh, Lance Brew, but we ended up... <clears throat> in a situation where he had a Glacial Chasm and I couldn't really deal with it. I couldn't uh, deal the points of damage that I wanted and he was getting close to just being able to loop Ursa Sagas, which is going to kill you. It's, it's bad for your health. So what the deck could do instead was just draw almost the entire deck with Uro and Harpy with a learn and play, brainstorm two Grist to the top, Play Grist and plus it to threaten ultimate uh, next turn, which drains, it, it deals damage. Uh, no, it causes loss of life equal to the amount of creatures you have in your graveyard, which when you go to discard and discard everything, but four forces, two endurance and an Uro, it's going to be enough. Uh, and to break this up also for the opponent is very hard. Uh, you can counter a lot of their spells because you just have a lot of forces in your hands. And if they have some way to mess with your graveyard, you can endurance yourself, put the graveyard back into your library, and just repeat the process again. Just draw all of your cards with Uro, threaten the same uh, board state next turn as well. 
you can either do this until your opponent dies by natural mill or until they can't handle the problem that you have created. So, yeah, uh, I think this this uh, version of a learn is extremely cool. It's very different from what I'm used to, and I'm going to be working on it for uh, a couple of weeks now because I'm I'm usually brewing a lot of a learn and uh, seeing. Uh, this kind of configuration really gave me some, uh, what can you say, some some urge. It tickled my obsession, and I'm back on the learn train for the upcoming weeks. Uh, I, I look forward to hopping on this train, even though it's going to probably uh, run me over instead, uh, as it has in the past. And uh, that's all we had for this week, folks. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed our time with us. Uh, if someone's to reach out, uh, where can we be found, Robin? You can find me on Facebook which I, is my primary uh, magic channel. And yeah, and you can find me at uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at MonolithMTG. And you can find me on Twitter as well, at DiscoDrogo. Uh, thank you, Robin Svensen and Christopher Wikström. My name is Victor Bernhardt. Our amazing music is written by Frönes. You should check them out on Spotify. Uh, until next time, make sure to climb the right Alps and steer clear of dangerous places in archipelagos.